Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Along with that, um, you will see on the back table on your way out today, we have some cards just strewn upon that table. And it just says this. It says, uh, there's a little something extra just to tell you we love you. And grab those. And it's just for you personally during Serve Month to grab one. And it's just someone that God puts in your path that you just feel like, man, I need to bless this person. I need to do something for them. You could grab that, put that card with whatever you're doing, and then just be a blessing to them. Amen? Are you ready to get into the Word? The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We started off uh, a couple weeks ago, and then Pastor Brad just did an amazing job last week. If you missed it, oh man, it was something good, good last week. Got to catch it on YouTube, and we're going to continue on. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, I, Paul speaking, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life that's worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each one's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. With peace, For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's a good one. Each of us a special gift. The first time I read that, the, the image that I had was Oprah on stage. And you get a car, and you get a car. But not just the studio audience, everybody, all of humanity. You get a gift, you get a gift, each one of us. A special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say this. And when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. And same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the universe with himself. The purpose of this ascension and this descension is for what? That he may fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is this. So there's these gifts, and then some of these gifts given specifically for the church, and there's this list, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will uh, be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Did you catch that? It will continue all of these things, all of these gifts. Now, there's some teaching that teaches that all of the gifts died out with the apostles, that uh, the, the miracles and, and the apostles and prophets and uh, the 
cessationalists believe that all of that was just for that present time and none of that happens today. We do not teach that, right? God is alive and active and moving and he is still using people and there are still gifts in his body and all of that and we believe that God could heal you this morning, amen? Amen. This will continue. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so careful that they sound like the truth. Instead, lies so careful they sound like the truth. The first thing I thought of when I read this was the menu at McDonald's. Come on. It looks like it's going to be good. Bun all glistening. Everything looking good. Oh, the Big Mac looks amazing. And then you get that thing, and it's all balled up by some 16-year-old in the back. that You know it hit the floor. <laughs> That's what the Scripture's saying, I think. I don't know. Tricked us. You tricked us with the picture. Lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each of these individuals with individual gifts yet coming together and fitting together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen and amen. So Paul starts off, we talked about this a little bit, couple weeks ago, but he implores us, listen, make every effort to stay connected. You've got to stay connected even to the people that you do not want to be connected to. And it takes effort. That's why he says make every effort because it's going to challenge you. We live in a world that wants to go 90 miles an hour all the time. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Fast, fast, fast. This thing, this thing, this thing. This is what's next on the list. This is what's next on the list. Uh, Keep on going. And this is the new status quo of America. You ask anybody, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. And, And the reality is we read... Uh, A few weeks ago, too, in Ephesians chapter 6, listen, that the enemy actually has a strategy to take you out. Part of that strategy is, I think, that he's trying to keep you so busy, he wants to shift your focus, he wants to isolate you, he wants you to be living this life, and makes you believe that you can multitask. You cannot. Science has actually proven it. There's been all of these studies that, oh, you think you cannot, you will start to do other things not as well as you could when you try to do these things to shift our focus, to isolate you, and it happens without us even realizing it. Not, I was about to say not too long ago. It was a very long time ago. It was like six years ago. Six years ago, uh, we had driven up to uh, Virginia Beach. There was a conference going on that we were taking part of, and my kids are young. Kobe, I believe, is probably maybe six at the time. Reese is four. Uh, me and Devin are at the hotel. We're getting ready, and the kids are in the room with a the with TV on, and they're watching this television set. And all of a sudden, my daughter freaks out and runs into the room where me and Devin are at. And like, Dad, 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 something's wrong with the TV. Something's wrong. Like, what is it? So I go in. She's like, I was watching my show, and then this started happening. It was the first time in her entire life that she'd seen a commercial. 
And so I had to explain to her what a commercial was, and to which her response was, why would they do that? (laughs) Because, baby, they're trying to grab your attention. They're trying to divert your attention to tell you, no, 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 you need this thing that we're selling. And and what was interesting about that moment is there was this distraction that popped up, and her first instinct was to run to her father. Now, if you fast forward years later, kids don't call them commercials anymore. They're called ads. And these ads pop up all over the Internet, and they pop over this, and they pop over this. But she doesn't run to her father anymore. She's become accustomed to the ads. We've all become accustomed to the pop-ups. We've become accustomed to driving to work and having 15,000 billboards to our left and our right. In the 1970s, they did a study, and they said the average person was uh, presented to over 500 ads a day. Over 500 ads a day of this, you need this, you need this, you need this. You want to know what it is today? 5,000. Over 5,000 things trying to grab your attention, trying to tell you if you get this thing, then you'll be happy. There's something in your life that you're missing, and this is what it is. And if you'll just give us your credit card number, $19.95 a month, you will be satisfied. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. All of these ads. Have you ever been Times Square, New York, just ads everywhere Middle of India with thousands of ads upon ads upon ads, so many ads that you don't even recognize them anymore. Sometimes we watch shows, sometimes we drive down the road and we don't even recognize it. And it's trying to distract us, a victim to the ads. And then it manifests in another way. Ah, we'll just work harder. And so we go to work to buy more stuff that the ads are selling because there's more ads, and so there's more work. And so instead of working 40 hours a week, now we work 50 hours a week, and 60 hours a week, and 70 hours a week. Because after all, we gotta get the things that tell us to have the thing on our way to work. And we don't know how to slow down. It just gets busier and busier. Paul says, make every effort to stay connected, especially in this world of distractions. So I thought I'd put it to the test this week. And I did something that I never have done in my life. I told myself, I'm going to try to drive in the slow lane. (laughs) And those of y'all that don't know, the right lane is the slow lane. (laughs) Half of y'all in the room don't know that. So this will be, if you got anything from church this morning, right lane, slow lane, left lane, we getting going. And I realized something during this week. Catch this. If you don't catch anything else, catch this. I learned this. I only know how to get there fast. Let that sink in. I don't even know how to get there slow anymore. I only know how to get there one way, and that's quickly. Oh, man. Come, Lord Jesus. Because here's the problem. If you only know how to get there fast, you'll live your life like that. And when God slows you down and leads you into some green pastures, you'll be over there texting. You'll be on vacation on the most beautiful beach, and you'll be checking email. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
Why? Because we only know how to get there one way because, man, we've just, we've become so desensitized to everything all around. And I think Paul's just saying, listen, take, make, and make every effort, make every effort. This is important. There's things that are going on in that society. There's things that are going on in this society. And if you don't make every effort, if you don't get the priorities right, if you mess up the priorities, man, things will all just fall apart. I was on a call with a group of guys and every, every time we get on this call, oftentimes we'll talk about resources and what book are you reading and what book are you reading and what's helping you with your Christian walk and uh, what movie did you watch, whatever it is, anything that we could talk about resources to help each other. And so we're going across the room and everyone's talking about resources and it gets to me and said, Lewis, what resource has been helping you lately? And I said, I spent $15 on a hammock on Amazon and it's been the best resource I've bought in years. I wake up early in the morning and I lay in that hammock and I stare and watch the sunrise. I get off of work and sometimes when we tuck the kids in, I'll lay in the hammock and stare at the stars. It's the best $15 you'll ever spend. Because you gotta make every effort, every effort. The enemy is intentional to try to disrupt, disrupt the flow, to get you defocused, to isolate you. We'll get back to that in a minute. The writer goes on. He says, all of this, this chapter focuses around this idea that there's this, to be this unity in the body of Christ, and there's this, there's this one body, and one baptism, and one Lord, and, and he's working together in all of things to, to fill the earth with himself, and there's, there's this body, and, and we have all of these gifts, and his, but, they're, but however, there's different gifts. And so he's real clear, like, we're together, and there's unity in this thing, but there's also diversity within our unity, the gifts that he's given to us, they're, they're different. And the gifts he's given to you and the gifts he's given to me and all of us holding this fingerprint of God in a different way. And this is important because we live in a world now that like, we, we actually don't like unity. We like the idea of unity. And, and our idea of what unity is isn't biblical idea of unity. What we want is uniformity. We want everyone to, to look the way that we look or act the way we act or believe exactly the way we believe. And, have these, and so we are content now with having a sense and a feel of a false truth, a false unity, when it's actually more of a uniformity. And here's the thing about unity and uniformity. Uniformity only deals with the outside. Uniformity, things can look like everything is together and everything's working together, and it could be all corrupt on the inside. See, unity actually does the complete opposite. Unity deals with the inside. And, the, and, and here's where it gets even more crazy, but on the outside, it can look completely different. You can have this thing and this thing, and it working completely together in unity, and it doesn't look uniformed. Me and my wife have completely different thoughts on certain things, and yet we live together in unity. Come on, somebody. That's what marriage is all about, Right? We're not looking for uniformity, we're looking for unity. And when we get these two wrong, and we get these mixed up, things go terribly wrong, because here's the reality, because we are a people that are geared towards easy, the reality is it's much easier to be uniformed than unified. It's much easier to just have the appearance of unity. It's much easier to just kind of like, oh, we'll just act like we're all together, We'll just act like everything's okay. And God says it just doesn't work that way because it's only a matter of time before that volcano on the inside erupts. I remember back in 
the 80s, early 90s, the entire uh, youth ministry philosophy of if we could just get kids to not listen to rock and roll music. If they could not watch rated R movies. And so what happened is youth pastors did everything they could to change the outside. And then generations of kids grew up and were like, what? Because maybe a better way is just, no, maybe we just introduce them to Jesus. Maybe they have an encounter with Jesus that so changes them on the inside that it's not about not listening to the music. It's about, no, I don't even want to listen to some of those things. I don't even want to watch some of those things because God's done something to me on the inside. Come on, some of us has grown up like that. Some of y'all have this thing that you just, you just have to look a certain way, and as long as you look a certain way, the church accepts you. And that's not biblical unity. That's not what Jesus talks about. But yet it's easier because it's easier to appear. It's easier to get one cheeseburger and take a good picture than to make them all look like that. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here's the thing about this, this unity. You could be unified, but oftentimes you won't appear unified. And Jesus was the master of this. See, because Jesus showed us a way into which you could be completely who he was was holy, who he was was the way, the truth, the life, connected at one with the Father, Holy Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all of these things. But to everyone else, he did not look the part. Jesus hung out with a bunch of sinners, and ever, all the Pharisees and said, Who is this guy? He's not within the unity. He doesn't look the part. What Saviors and kings don't get born in mangers. Saviors don't die on crosses. Everything Jesus did didn't look the part. Completely different than how everyone expected him to be. And look, matter of fact, Jesus was so ordinary that upon his arrest, they had to have Judas point him out. All right, kiss him so we'll know which one. See, we have this idea that Jesus was just like floating two feet above the earth. Oh, we would, no, 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 you wouldn't even know it. Born in a manger, died on a cross, hanging out in places you wouldn't think he'd hang out. And yet complete, like, no, no, welcoming everyone into this. This is this unity, this body, this, and this is the entire Christian journey. Getting to the place where it's more on the inside than the outside, to be at complete unity. I could be at complete peace, and, that, and there's storms all around. There's wind blowing, there's seas raging. Man, there's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a unity that's happening with the Father. And the, the, the writer here, make every effort. Why? Because you, you want to you steer towards this idea of like, well, just look. Okay, we'll just be okay, and no one else can know we're going through these struggles. Each one of us marked by the fingerprint of God in a special way, unique to who you are in his glory. Why? For this purpose, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Oh, now here's where it gets, uh, you read this and it gets really interesting. So the writer Paul tells us this, like, where he's doing all this, there's this unity in the body, there's one baptism, one church, one thing, all these coming together, uh, uh, filling the earth with himself for this very purpose, and that's why it says this. And then he says these words 
that kind of don't click. And he ascended to the heavens, and he descended down. And if you said that he ascended, it also means he must have descended. And you're like, what? Where, where, where is he, what's he talking about? What's he, what's he pulling all that? So like, like, man, do you realize that God is with you in all things? That he wants to fill the entire universe with himself. He doesn't just want to fill you when you're ascending. He just doesn't want to fill you when everything's going up and to the right and life is good and you've got money in the bank and everything's happening. No, he also wants to fill you when you're descending and everything is going completely wrong. He wants to fill the entire world, the heavens and the earth, all of it coming down. He stepped out of heaven and into humanity. He said, no, no, I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. And the manner in which I'm going to do it is you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to come and I'm going to fill and I'm going to give this, this gift to all of humanity. We're going to call it the church and the church is going to have these gifts and there's going to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and I'm going to fill all of the earth with my glory. How? Through you. Wow. The implications of that, what that means that there's a special gift, there's a special calling, there's a special anointing on you to show the world the glory of Christ that only you can do. And so why would we settle for a cheap imitation? Why would we try to pretend on the outside to be like somebody else or act like someone else or talk like someone else or want what someone else wants or dream someone else's dream? No, 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 that the whole world, the ascending, the descending, if I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I descend down into the deeps, you are there, Christ in all things, filling the entire universe with himself. He fills your mourning. He fills your heartache. He fills the pain. He fills the lowest valley of your life. He fills you if you have a beach house. He fills you if you have a shack in the woods. He fills you when you're young. He fills you when you're old. He fills you when you're rich. He fills you when you're broke. To ascend and to descend into all things. To step out of, you, of heaven into humanity. To fill the world with himself his glory, and then he gives us these gifts. Specifically, the church, the body that's going out and giving testimony of his love. And then there's this list, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Now here's where it gets interesting. If you've been at church for any number of time, uh, this is the part that everybody kind of, every preacher loves to just kind of build on because like, what is an apostle? What is a prophet? What is an evangelist? What is a teacher? And like, want to dig them all out. Where do I fit into one of these things? Did God give me one of these things? Am I supposed to be doing this? And I think we read it, and when we read it through that lens, we miss the most basic point of all that God's trying to say to us. The greatest gifts, this gift that I'm giving the entire world it's people. It's people. It doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave us a PlayStation. For God so loved the world that he gave us bigger houses or nice cars. Or God so loved the world that he did get it. No, no, it's people. The gifts are you. You are a gift. You're a gift to the body of Christ. Lisa 
you are a gift. Matt, you are a gift to the body of Christ. This brother right here, man, I don't even know your name. I know we've met like three times. Tell me. Yeah. Tim. Tim, I met you. I'm sorry. Tim, you're a gift. You're a gift to me. If y'all haven't met Tim, Tim's just smiling all the time. Tim sits right over here, and he's smiling at me. And sometimes y'all, some of y'all ain't smiling. I'm like, whatever I said, y'all are mad at me, but Tim ain't mad at me. Sometimes I just got to ignore everybody else, and I'm just preaching to Tim, because Tim will help a brother out. Tim is a gift to me. Come on. I don't know where Luis is at. Is Luis in here this morning? Where's she at? She's in the back. Luis, come on, you got to teach this church how to say some amens. Luis will shout me down. Come on, preach it, pastor. Give me one. Amen. Come on. That's how you do it, church. She helps me out. Sometimes it's like crickets. A gift to me. Do you realize, remember when you're a kid on, the, on Christmas morning and you walked out and you're like, oh, there's gifts. That's what every Sunday is like. You walked into a room full of gifts. You walked into a room full of gifts because God has put his fingerprint on each one of us. His spirit is alive within each one of us. And so there's this room full of gifts. But here's a few things that you've got to understand about gifts that he's given the church. Here's a few things you've got to understand. Gifts come wrapped. Come on. Gifts come wrapped. It ain't just what you see on the outside. If you're not careful, you will judge a gift by how it's wrapped and you'll think it's worthless. Because it doesn't come wrapped in a certain paper that you think it should be wrapped in. We got, a, we got a member here. He's not here today. He's, he's on the, the boat working up north. His name is Bryson, and he's covered head to toe with tattoos. And we've had these conversations. He's talking. He's like, but Lucas, you know, people just judge me because they see all these tattoos. They, they, they judge me by the wrapping paper. And if you've spent five minutes with Bryson, you understand he is the kindest guy you'll ever meet. And here's the thing, each one of us have our own wrapping paper. Each one of us have all these things, and, and if we're not careful, we can only see people, and we can only see them with the paper attached. And God said, no, 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 this is why I've given you as a gift to the world, to help them unwrap and show forth me in them to fill the entire world with my glory. I've noticed this about people, too. Oftentimes, these gifts that we have, we'll dismiss them easily because we don't see them as gifts. You're naturally working in these things. And you're, just the other week, I was hanging out with Billy and Nicole, and Nicole's back there, and she's just kind of, man, I'm not, I don't know what my gift is. The whole time, she's just serving people. I'm like, let me tell you what your gift is, girl. You got the gift of hospitality. You showing up in my house with cookies all the time. All these things are like, well, you know, I just do that. No, it's a gift. I ain't making no cookies. Like, I, I don't see things that you see. You see the person that's hurting. You see the person that just, man, oh, they're thirsty and they need something to drink. Isn't that what Jesus says? I was thirsty and you came and gave me a glass of water. It's a gift. Be careful not to dismiss just because you're not standing on this stage. I'm not that gifted. I'm not. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Amen. 
Y'all, I'm telling you, I've got two gifts. I could tell a good story, and I don't, I don't care how big of a fool. I can make even more foolish than this. And I just build on that. I just work with that. And that's what God's saying to each one of us. Just work with what I gave you. This, all these, don't, don't worry about apostle, prophet, pastor. They're there. We're there. It's working inside of the body, and it's there, but we need all of the gifts to come to unity to the fruition of Christ. Gifts come right. We have constantly, Jesus said that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. You want to know what part of your gift is? To learn how to unwrap the gift in others. Let me make it even more simple. If you're over 50 years old, your calling is to help someone younger. To help unwrap the gift in them. We need you. There are not many fathers. We have generations of kids that have grown up and don't know fathers, and it's not just physically, it's spiritually. And I'm telling you, men, we've got to step up. Because there's young kids that need us. And the same thing, if you're, you're under 50, you should be searching it out. You want to know what your calling is? Find someone. Don't just wait for them. Go out and actively pursue. There's something in their life. And I've had that with, with so many people. I've had it with Kirk. I looked at Kirk's life and I said, man, you're, you're just such a great father to your kids. You've done, man, I need your help. Pour into me and Devin for a season of time. Help us with our marriage. Help us learn how to raise kids. You did something right and we just need to, we need to get what you have. I have many people like that in my life. I just look and I say, no, 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 I need that and seek it out. This idea that there's just kind of one mentor. No, no, no. You should have like 15 mentors. All these people that you see, let grow together, speak life, unwrap the gift. Let someone unwrap the gift in you. You unwrap the gift in someone else. This is discipleship. Speak life. Here's another thing about gifts. Gifts are given freely. Gifts are given freely. Because if there's a price tag, it wasn't a gift. If you've got that, no, 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 freely, while we were yet sinners, freely. There's nothing you could do to earn your salvation. It was a free gift from God. It is the grace of God. It was a gift. And then we come into this church and we come into the body. We, do, we try to discover our purpose and we discover the gifts that are within us. And then we pray something like this, God, use me. And then he does. And then we complain about the way he uses us. <laughs> we call ourselves servants until someone treats us that way. And then all of a sudden, we got an attitude. Wait, hold on, son. I thought you prayed for me to use you. I've called you and I've given you this gift and the very gift I've given you is to send you out into a world who doesn't know me. Your gift is to be used actually for a group of people that are very contrary and hateful to me. I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. And this gift that he's given us, <laughs> God use me. Oh, hold on. Pause. Wait a minute, until someone treats us that way, and then all of a sudden, whoa, 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 in the same manner in which been, we've been given, go and do likewise, did you, do we see what they did to Jesus? They crucified him for it. They crucified him for this free gift. 
Jesus later on, you know, that you call me teacher and rightfully so, until Jesus starts teaching things that we don't like. Like, I'll follow Jesus, most of him, we could cut out a few chapters, I don't like that, I don't agree with that. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. As a matter of fact, Jesus is very clear over and over again. There's these times where he says, Peter, as a matter of fact, you're going to get old and someone's going to take you by the hand and take you to a place you don't want to go. This is the call of God on your life. Uh, Paul, yeah, you're going to do amazing things, but also let me show you all the things you must suffer for my sake. See, if you're going to do big things for Christ, it makes you a big target for the enemy. And he has a strategy to take you out. We love to be used but there is a target. There is a price involved. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. I mean, I'm always just looking for the servants. I'm just looking for, for somebody serving. I don't know if y'all caught it last week. Pastor Brad was up here and he preached this message. Man, he's got, he's got like 40, 50 years of pastoring. And he just gave us this beautiful gift. And he poured out his heart. And there was this moment where he was just like, and, and I pastored for all these years, and I'm an usher now, and I just love being an usher. And he preached his heart out, and five seconds later, he was stacking chairs. Service was over, and he was stacking chairs, just serving, just serving the body. That's Jesus right there. That's Jesus right there. Thirsty, and he gave me some water. If you want to be great, lay down your life. Learn what it is to be a servant. Blood, sweat, tears. But I want to be very clear because this whole thing, it's more about what happens on the inside. Because when it happens on the inside, when you realize what Christ has done for you, it doesn't even feel like serving anymore. It feels like it's an honor to do these things. Let me, let me make, make it clear. Like, guys, when you come to this church, you don't owe us nothing. You don't ever have to give anything. You don't have to, no, it is a free gift. It is all the grace of God. It is all grace. And this right here, even what I'm doing, I mean, I hope you're getting blessed. But it's not number one on my checklist. Number one is God as unto you. This is for you. This is for your glory. Everything we do. And we're gonna stack some chairs later on today. For your glory, all of the things, to be faithful with whatever God, make every effort. In just a couple weeks, not this Saturday, but next, we're going to go and serve at the recovery center. And the false assumption is this, that we're doing this and we're just going to somehow like serve them and bless them. No, the reality is they're a blessing to us. They're a blessing to us. We get to join in with what God's doing in their lives and what God's doing. See, they're not just the ones in recovery. We're the ones in recovery too. We're the ones that need to be recovered because we've hidden it because this gift has to be unwrapped. And it's a joy and it's a privilege. I mean, I, I get to do these things. When Chris talks about that, and, it's not a joke when we say when we give these tithes and these offerings and this money. It's not, it's, it's not out of this sense of obligation. Or like, it's a joy. I, God, I get to participate. God ain't broke. 
It doesn't matter how much money you give. God will make a way. How are we going to do all of these things? man? I'm telling you, in just a few, in, in December, we're going to have a, a service called Legacy Sunday where we're going to ask, and even now, like, prepare. Prepare your best gifts. Man, and we just want to believe because, man, we want to this is a $5 million building, right? And we're nowhere close. But it doesn't matter even if you don't give. God's going to make a way. God's going to do it. Why? Man, because he's doing and it's something on the inside. The outside is just, man, that'll work itself out. That'll work itself out. Make every effort. Stay connected in a world that's just swimming, swimming with ads, swimming with distractions, swimming with things to cause you to look to the left, to the right. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I can see everybody to stand to their feet as we bring this to a completion. Paul goes on to say, doing all these things, to move on to maturity, to a full understanding, so we won't be tossed to and fro, so we won't get distracted by every commercial. So the whole world is filled with Christ himself. Maturity is this. It's building up the body in the unity in which it was created. It's allowing the diversity of gifts coming together for the showcase and the don't seek uniformity, we seek unity. And I'm here to tell you, no matter where you're at on your journey today, whether if you're ascending and everything in life is up and to the right, or whether it feels like everything is going wrong, Christ wants to fill all those places. He's there in these moments. There's moments I know where Paul was preaching to thousands. There's also these moments where he was writing a letter from a prison cell. God was there. There's this other portion of scripture where it says, and he led the captives. And translators have had a hard time translating this because in the, in the original Greek, what it literally says in their language is, he led captivity captive. And I love that if you have a King James Version, it actually has that translation because we have a hard time. Well, how do you do that? Oh, man, the Jesus led captivity captive. All of those things that used to take you captive, God took you captive. There's no addiction that's too strong. There's no struggle in your life that you think it's always going to be like this. I know you feel like you've struggled with something for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you've, you've even told yourself this story will just always be like this. No, it won't. Why? Because he led captivity itself captive. And all things underneath Christ. And so whether you're ascending or descending, he is there. But you've got to be aware. Just like my daughter in that hotel room, he's going to throw some commercials your way. You're going to get out of this building you're going to get hit with 5,000 distractions, 5,000 things to tell you. Uh, the thing you really want, the thing that will really make you whole is this. And I'm here to tell you, it's only one thing, one body, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, Jesus Christ. And this is his plan, to fill you and to fill me and to fill the entire universe with his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're so good. 
this for easily swaying to the left, to the right for truths that uh, look like it, for settling for uniformity, for settling to just appear to be a good Christian. Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts, fill our minds. every unanswered question. Well done. Good and faithful servant. See you Saturday. We love you. Grace and peace. God bless. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.